Welcome to Season 2 of the Mindful Literacy Podcast with your host, Dr. Jessica Bennett. Our mission is to provide one-on-one and small group literacy tutoring to children with dyslexia or who are at risk for reading failure. One of the driving forces behind creating Mindful Literacy Columbus was a social justice focus. We want to make needed education services accessible to all. The board is in the process of researching social determinants of health, such as family income, access to community-based resources, social support, language and literacy, and access to information. It is our vision to create a center where children can have access to high-quality tutoring, irrespective of family income. In our mind's eye, this center would also be a place where adults can study our written language together and where parents can find support. Listener support is paramount to how much we are able to support kids in our community. Thank you so much for your support. Here are three ways you can get involved with Mindful Literacy Columbus. You can share this podcast and you can like and follow Mindful Literacy Columbus on Facebook and Instagram. Pause this podcast right now and go like and follow before you forget. Our Facebook is mindful.literacy.columbus. Our Instagram is mindful.literacy.cbus. Make sure to share posts to your feed and tag your friends. You can also volunteer. There are four opportunities to volunteer with Mindful Literacy Columbus. Even if you don't live in Columbus, first, you could join the Grant Writers Guild. Writers are needed. Second, you can join our summer camp in August. Counselors are needed. Third, we need volunteers for our first annual conference for kids and grown-ups. Even coordinators are needed. This event will be held in August. Finally, you can volunteer to be a mentor and editor for Beehive Press. We especially need high school and college-age volunteers who enjoy studying English or graphic design. If you would like more information about volunteering, please send us a message on Facebook or Instagram. You can also email our Director of Impact at Megan, that is M-E-G-H-A-N, at mindfulliteracypractice.org. Thanks again for your support. And we hope you enjoy this episode of the Mindful Literacy Podcast. Benjamin Levy is the co-founder and executive director of the Final Third Foundation. He has over 10 years of experience in the nonprofit sports and development industry. In 2011, his passion for helping through sport developed when he founded the Lakoni Community Football League, based in Mombasa, Kenya. For the past eight years, Levy has managed and operated several sports and development nonprofit organizations, events and programs, including Columbus East FC, Columbus Nations Cup, F3 Soccer and Literacy Programming, and Columbus East Soccer Association. Levy is a graduate from Fisher College of Business with a master's in business administration. Enjoy this conversation with Benjamin Levy. Ben, 
Thank you so much for joining the Mindful Literacy Podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me, Jessica. Of course. You know, you and I first met this summer um, when a parent introduced us. I think she recognized the alignment that we had in our missions for both of our nonprofits and got us together. And I feel like when we started that when we started talking to each other about how we can lift each other up and support each other in our missions, I feel like it was meant to be. Yeah, um, I agree. I think, you know, I always try to find like-minded individuals and organizations to uh, see if we can find partnerships and not, not step on anybody's toes, but provide additional support. So I think you and I have the same mindset and I know we tried to set up programming this, this past fall, but hopefully we can get that going in the spring or or late winter. So. Yeah, definitely. Why don't you go ahead and just talk to us about your soccer and literacy program to start with. Okay. And I think that it will make a lot of sense to the listeners, the synergy that we have between our two organizations. Yeah. So the soccer and literacy program is a part of the final third foundation. And this is actually probably the most exciting program that I believe that we have to bring to all communities, um, affluent and underprivileged. It's connected to, it started with a soccer novel series that I was connected to through a sports management company that I'm a part of. And it's called the Jamie Johnson series. And that's a youth soccer novel series. And for the longest time with my sports and development background, I wanted to add this book into a program, really a soccer and reading or soccer and literacy program. Originally, I set up a soccer and reading summer camp out at Eakin Elementary School on the west side of Columbus in partnership with Columbus Rec and Parks. And it actually went really well. The kids love the book. The kids love their coaching. And we had a week-long program and about 26 participants. However, after that, I felt like I didn't necessarily provide as much as I could have to the kids. I don't have a teaching background. I only have a coaching background and a business background. And I reached out to who is now our director of education, Leah Groom Thomas, to see if she'd be interested in really having an entrepreneurial position within our nonprofit to help grow out our educational programming. And she was ecstatic and we developed it from there. And now we provide after school programs and summer programs. And uh, we were we were going to be in two different schools this past year. However, the pandemic has slowed us a bit down. Yes, it's let us all a bit down, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just got to keep our heads up and keep keep trying to provide in any way we can during this hard time for everyone. So yeah, for sure. I think it's allowed us all to be a lot more innovative and flexible. Yes. Yeah. I know you and I had talked about this before, but we were really talking about building out this program too to encompass writing skills. And I think that's definitely an area where all readers could use some attention and focus. So hopefully we'll 
around the corner here on this pandemic and be able to keep expanding and growing the programs to support young athletes. Absolutely. I look forward to working with you and on the mindfulness side of things too, which I, I um, fully support and, and also study as well. So for our kids. Yeah. So let's talk about just the importance of sports and in a person's development. I mean, we, we we're talking about mindfulness, but I feel like sports teaches people mindfulness without doing so explicitly. I guess for sport, you for my personal development, I always go back to looking back at really, yeah, my personal development and sport and how it benefited me. It created really a structure for me. It allowed me to learn to fail, but then how to really get better from that failure failure, and learn from that failure. And it, it really developed me as a person and really helping me learn discipline and, and hard work really allowed me to have a focus outside of school and and actually, and really outside of the social, I guess, element of, it does provide a social element, but it also, the the normal day-to-day with friends. I think the mindfulness component and just, you know, we can talk back and forth on this is what I've really realized is that I always strive to feel that feeling of being in the zone as most athletes strive for. And that's when I was playing at my best or when I was on a long run and I almost felt like I wasn't even running anymore at one point or many points in my life. I always ran for hours on end when I got older until my hip really gave out at 22 years old. So even today, I'm missing out on sport for my own development. I think every in sport, meaning like right now, I can't even... Not many people know this, but I I can't play a soccer game. I can't go on a long run or run a marathon. I can't do many things because I have a bad hip. And I always try to find outlets. Like I found yoga and I found actually my passion and work that has been my outlet to try to get to that feeling of being in the zone. Yeah, I don't know if that really connects with mindfulness. I feel like it does because that's really allows you to, to, in a sense, rest and get away from the stresses in life. Yeah, it absolutely relates to mindfulness. But I think, you know, talking about being in the zone as an individual and being really in tune with your own balance, like your own mental, emotional, physical balance is like the number one thing that we have to constantly have in the forefront. And I mean, that's why we practice so that we can, and I guess I'm visualizing the circles, right? So like, that's the core is the individual awareness and introspection and just being in tune with your own mind body. And then the circle comes out from that. And I'm thinking of like, well, because we're talking about soccer and final third foundation, I'm thinking of team, right? So how can you be a the best teammate you can be. And that can be whether you're in sport or that can be a team of teachers, a team as your family members. And then how does that team contribute to the greater community? And, you know, right now we're thinking about trying to reduce viral load and infection in our collective. So to me, I'm thinking 
if we're all functioning at our best as individuals, then we can uplift the collective to do things we never could imagine. I guess that's that's a good way to put it. And it all starts back on you as an individual, like you said, that first circle. And without having, without knowing your true self and being able to find that balance, you can't really be a good teammate. You can't really have that, I guess, foundation to allow for you to, to make that positive impact in the community. But it first comes to yourself and finding yourself and then, and then leading to the teammate um, and the team, and it, which then leads to the overall community at large. Yeah, without that self-care, you can't be in service. So I guess I'm, I didn't know that you're not able to run or work out how you want to or how you're used to. So I'm curious to know more about, you know, you said you found yoga. What are, what, how are you practicing yoga and how are you kind of coming to terms with being in a new season of your life and dealing with a chronic injury? Yeah, so I've dealt with this injury for 10 years now, 32 now. And before I would use running and playing sport and working as, out as far as I could to, I guess, release the stress or in a way when I didn't understand how the world worked and didn't agree with how the world worked, I would just work out really hard until I, until I had to stop. In a way, the hip pain has been a blessing, although I wouldn't have said that for the first six or seven years. Probably seven years into it, I really is when, when I was 29 years old, I found a hot yoga studio. And that was when I really enjoyed it because it really, for me growing up, it was in a way the sweat, the releasing of endorphins. And I felt like I was working out at the same time. And that hot yoga studio led me to really practice yoga, not and start focusing on, you know, myself and realizing that I had to slow down and really think about who I was as a person. And, and I, it made me, I think, in the end, not in the end, I'm still practicing, but a stronger person. And today during the pandemic, I, I don't go, I don't go to that hot yoga studio. Um, I'm not practicing as much as I should. I'm doing my own workouts at home, but I try every day to to make sure, you know, I slow down and have that some meditation to myself or quietness to myself and trying to at least practice yoga three times a week or four times a week, but I'm not where I want to be. And I think it's because I'm not going to the hot studio. So I started in a hot studio too. Mm-hmm. And I've always been the kind of person who needed a lot of intensity and physical movement as an outlet. The hot yoga studio kind of emulated that for me. And I think as soon as I realized that I was taking lessons about myself and even just from just the yogic principles that were and the teachings that were coming through my yoga teachers off the mat is when I really started tuning in (laughs) more to myself and applying those lessons off the mat. And I think that's what's been the most powerful thing for me is in terms of my mindfulness practice. So it sounds like you've had a similar experience. Yeah, absolutely. Taking a deep breath when things seem like they're out of control and finding yourself again. Although I look back and even this year, I've made, I think everybody makes mistakes, but where you get caught up in 
really life and then oh I should have been practicing more yoga really is and the decisions I made weren't necessarily fully thought through and and if I was you know if I did have an hour or 45 minutes of yoga that morning it would have been different uh it's how in my mind my state of I guess my state of mind would have been different so it's a matter of pushing yourself even during these times to to wake up and even if you're not going to a studio to do it on your own I'm thinking of when I first started rowing at Ohio State, my coach, you know, we had to do these insane workouts and we were trying to build strength and build endurance and build stamina. And I remember her saying, when you're in shape, it's not that, you know, running up 10 flights of stairs is any easier. It's still really hard. But the difference between somebody who's in shape who's out of shape is that the person who's in shape will recover much faster <laughs> from running up that 10 flight of stairs <laughs> that stuck with me and I found that to be true physically but then also just applying it to mindfulness practice it's not that those intense emotions are going to go away because you spend time meditating or practicing yoga it's that you will still feel those intense feels but it'll be easier for you to recenter yourself and move forward is kind of my awakening that recovery period will be will be faster you know i think i i heard a statistic that only 2% of men practice mindfulness and yoga in our country <laughs> which is really low. <laughs> it sounds right to you. That sounds right. This episode is brought to you by Mindful Literacy Practice. Mindful Literacy Practice is the sister company to Mindful Literacy Columbus. We are a private tutoring and professional development company whose mission is to build a strong learning community that cultivates literacy and mindfulness practices with children, their families, and their teachers. Frequent and consistent tutoring is the key to fluency growth, no matter where your child is on the learning continuum, from special education to gifted education and everywhere in between. All elementary kids need to practice oral reading fluency and math facts. Mindful Literacy Practice offers affordable, high-quality, evidence-based methodology combined with precision teaching data tracking in both reading and math. For just 10 minutes a session, three to five days a week, it is not uncommon for us to see fluency rates double in the course of 10 to 12 weeks. Want to improve the speed in which your child can read and or do math facts? Mindful literacy fluency programs. Improve what you measure. Practice, measure, improve, repeat. Listeners of this podcast can use code FLUENCY50 for their first registration. MindfulLiteracyPractice.org forward slash fluency forward. So as an athlete and a man, I mean, what, why do you think that is? I think it's the, I guess the society we've been brought up in, the cultural norms, and which is completely off. I think it's why, you know, certain things are, are wrong in our society. You know, I was one of maybe two or three men out of, 30 women that were in the yoga studio at first. And over the past three or four years, I've seen, seen a change. I've seen, you know, I've taken friends to the yoga studio and then they, they keep coming back because of they notice how good it is for them. I think it's not necessarily frowned upon, but it's almost like there's a, 
And there's something that we have to step over as a man to say, okay, I need help to set mind at ease. I honestly, you know, I can't say what it is or how I was brought up. My family and my parents are amazing people, incredibly supportive. I'm not exactly sure. I, I don't really have the answer there. I think it's, I think it's that sense of weakness that you, in a way that, that you have to say, I, there is a, I have a weakness and I need to, need to work on that. A lot of men are afraid to do and say. I feel like it is about our perspective culturally, right? Because, you know, there's this notion of non-binary, right? And I've been looking at astrology a lot <laughs> lately. <laughs> and it's not to say, like, I think that if we divorce the term feminine and masculine energy from the gender right, then it's almost easier to wrap your head around. But but to say that all of us as people have the capacity to have this divine feminine and divine masculine tendency. And even though you may be a male gender wise or associate with being a male, doesn't mean you can't equally have a high level of emotional intelligence and sensitivity and capacity to deal with your feelings and other people's feelings. And so I think it's sort of a disservice. And so maybe that's the collective consciousness shift that needs to happen. And I feel like you're uniquely positioned as a leader of soccer coaches who I am assuming, and maybe I'm incorrect, but I'm assuming there's a majority of young men in your, in your leagues. Absolutely. And coaches, we have young women and young men and, what I tell them actually when they're joining the foundation, really the foundation, they think they're joining a soccer club first or a recreational program with Columbus East Soccer Association. And what I tell them is that we're a foundation first and soccer club or soccer recreational program second. And this is what we believe in. It sounds pretty silly, but as far as, and what we believe in is that every person is a person and every person deserves to have happiness. And what that happiness is, is what they feel like their happiness is because happiness is different for every individual. But at least what, what I believe is that every human being is a human being and they deserve quality healthcare, quality education, being able to put food on the table every night for their family and shelter. And they, what I tell our coaches before they join our organization is that it may sound silly, but it's, this is like, a am kind of trying to create a little movement. You know, it's not an original idea but it's if you're joining this you're joining not just a soccer organization but like almost like our own in a way culturing what we truly believe in that we you're going to volunteer in these reading programs you're going to support the columbus nations cup which is a soccer festival that celebrates diversity and brings communities together and you're going to maybe volunteer one day in kenya and come with me to visit the organization out there that we oversee. I think the the word vulnerable is also a huge as men, whatever our, our society has, you know, taught us growing up is we don't want to we hide from that vulnerability. And I think that's also a part of it. And so I feel like we I mean you said you're not a teacher, but friend 
you really are. I mean, you're teaching adults how to teach kids. And even though you're teaching soccer, you're still a teacher because you're teaching them life lessons and giving them the opportunity to fail in a safe environment and giving them the opportunity to lift themselves up and teaching them how to be human. <laughs> so you're like an ultimate teacher, even though it's not like in a silo in a school building, right? Mm-hmm. But I think, wow, what a gift to be able to reach and touch lives in our community. And I want to hear more about the organizations that you've worked in. And particularly, I was, I know, after that first call you and I had, I kind of on the side was like, and please take me to Kenya. (laughs) (laughs) I want to hear about the program you started in Kenya too, please. Yeah, yeah. Well, as I get older, I guess, you know, at 32, I know I'm not there yet. But as far as like, what I'm learning is that, and what I've always tried to do is I look back and that's what connect with Kenya is I try to find the right people and empower those people to, to give back to their communities and then provide the support needed to do so. And now that's coming into Columbus right now and, and what we do and with our program managers and what's going to be happening, happening going into 2021. But that connects with Kenya because when I first set up the organization in Kenya and that's, that's when I was 22 years old and I went to volunteer as a soccer coach, people asked why I went there. And I said, I was at the university of Wisconsin at the end of my senior year. And I felt like I've been living in a bubble my whole life. I had this itch to feel uncomfortable. I think that's also a huge issue with, with our culture and most cultures is to step out outside of, you know, your, your home or your, your norm, enter into new environments. I had the itch to do that. And I found an organization in Kenya and I ended up coaching a lot of local community clubs in one of the poorest areas of Mombasa, Kenya called Bakoni. Ended up getting to know the coaches and seeing that they were volunteering their time, giving back to their kids and their and their part of the community ended up setting up an organization called the Lakoni Community Football League, where at the time I, I didn't actually know that there were sports and development organizations out there, to be honest. And I was a biology major. I didn't study international development. And that maybe helped me because I, I had no clue what I was doing. And I know, I guess, that I, I, I was just going along with it and ended up setting up my own organization. and started to fundraise and started to learn the nonprofit world. And um, it kind of set me on the path I am today. And we now have an office over there. We have three people working for the organization in Laconi. We have about 500 to 600 kids that play all year round. We've supported professional teams. We've brought in other organizations. We've partnered with other organizations to bring in HIV AIDS education and other and other forms of education with our organization and I'm proud of it. And I think the three people on the ground that are from Laconi are are extremely proud of what they've done over the past nine, ten years. And um and that's the going back to that empowering people within the community. People ask me like why did I set up this organization? You think it'd be for the kids, but it was actually for the I I looked at each young adult that were coaching that was coaching these kids at the time and I thought 
Like I would put them myself in their shoes. And I think if I grew up with absolutely nothing, with no future, with no, like no real avenue to, and how I would put it, succeed and get, and get out of the county. What would I really be doing that? Would I be giving back to my community? And my answer was, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I would be volunteering for it because I'm, I'm not in their shoes and I didn't grow up the way they did, but I, I had the utmost respect for them and I wanted to support all the local coaches that were volunteering their time. And it took many years to really figure out the right, the right people to run the organization and really to support the coaches and which will positively affect the rest of the community um, and all the kids. That's a little bit about the organization. And since, since it was founded, we've had many volunteers from all over the world come visit the organization. And, uh, and I hope to set up a, really a, a more, I guess, uh, I hope to solidify uh, an annual, I guess, trip for volunteers to go and experience. You can sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of work is there for volunteers to do? So we have partnered with a, a local orphanage. It's actually, it's a, it's a perfect setup. They have a an area for volunteers to stay. About 16 volunteers can stay at one time running water and about 40 kids stay at that orphanage. So if you're not into soccer, you can volunteer at the orphanage and with the kids, helping them with homework and helping, uh, helping wash clothes and, and cook while you're there. Um, we were also partnered with a local, actually the organization that I originally volunteered through, Hatua Lakoni, the woman that runs that organization and founded it is from New York and she's an amazing person and lives over there full time. And that's an education-based organization that's, I think, provided for almost 300 scholarships year round and for youth and young adults. And they've had a lot of youth that have come out of that that have graduated from university now over in Kenya and become doctors and lawyers and out of the poorest area of Mombasa, Kenya. And they have a library there and, and uh, they do amazing work with mentorship programs and we're partnered with them too. And then obviously there's the soccer component with our organization and, and uh, over in Kenya, it's, it's, you can volunteer with by playing with the kids, coaching the kids, giving coaching education. So yeah, the goal eventually is to have a, a volunteer program, really solidify that and bring a lot of people over um, year after year. Sounds awesome. And I, again, see the yoking between yeah. the literacy piece. And to me, literacy isn't just about reading and writing. It's about education, like every aspect of education. And again, just learning about yourself, your community, the world. So I am all about it. How long are you envisioning these trips to be? Uh, to Kenya? Mm -hmm. Two to three weeks. The two to three week program, probably a two to three week program uh, where you, um, I've had volunteers where they, they would come and they would experience I've, all basically everything, all of Mombasa. Um, and whether it's, walking through Mombasa town and learning the culture or going to uh, going on safari and and or playing with the kids and soccer and coaching and or 
volunteering in the orphanage and helping with homework about two to three weeks and longer if if you if the if people would like <laughs> so yeah no I'm just thinking about so many of our listeners are student teachers right now or education majors and I'm like oh my gosh this would be an amazing opportunity to have um <laughs> field experience like literally <laughs> field experience teaching and like even like um exchange program or something <laughs> absolutely we could work with um named gabrielle fondiller and get, we could work with gabby and hatua laconi and the education-based organization there that ngo does amazing work and i could work with you to make sure there's programs like that going forward too i love it how exciting so we need to what do you think? 2022, we can start planning. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think probably planning for 2022. Yeah. Based on everything right now. Yeah. It's good to experience, good to, and it, it does make you appreciate what you have, the infrastructure we have here and it kind of puts things in perspective. So it's, it's a very good, good for people to travel and see. Do you think this would be appropriate for high school kids to do? Very mature high school kids. <laughs> Uh, I would say, you know, those that you would say, oh, they're older than their age. The typical kid who has dyslexia, that's usually what is said about them. It's wise beyond their years. <laughs> yeah. Emo- yeah, emotionally intelligent, emotionally sensitive. That's interesting. I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, those 11-year-olds that you're just like, gosh, I feel like I'm talking to a 20-year-old right now. <laughs> May, I wonder why, has there been studies to say, like, why that is? I mean, is it because they have a weakness, so they, their strength is maybe the communication with others? Yeah, I mean, it could be. I don't know. Actually, I'm not familiar if there has been research other than I think the the brain, the neurological research is that um, the, our brain's everybody's brain works differently and kids who have dyslexia they have strengths in certain part of their brains where a a neurotypical person doesn't so if you think about someone who has autism and how they're not quite in tune with other people's emotions and needs it's sort of like a dyslexic brain is the polar opposite of that that's the and that's me restating one of my favorite, a talk that I saw in one of my favorite TED Talks that I okay. have watched several times and show my kids who want to know more about themselves and how they tick. But I myself have not read the research. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> we all have superpowers. And yeah, that emotional sensitivity is is one of one of them for the kids who have dyslexia. Typically speaking, everyone's different. You know, you plant a seed for me and I'm going to take it and run with this. So. <laughs> You need volunteers before 2022 to help you get this program, like the structure and the foundation of this program set up. Are you talking about the the volunteer program to, to Kenya? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The I definitely need, I always say this, I definitely need all the help I can get. I have a lot of, <laughs> a lot of balls up in the air and um, they're all forming into this final third foundation. and. A part of this is this volunteer program that I hope some of the proceeds go back to future initiatives for Final Third Foundation and specifically to Kenya itself um, and the organization there. But yeah, I need we need volunteers maybe to help put together that, I guess, the package. I have all the literacy. I have all the photos. I have all the 
you know, the director of the, the executive director of the orphanage who was interviewed to the volunteers experience. So as far, as far as advertising it out and, and getting it out there, that's definitely something I could, I could use help with. Awesome. Well, you can count on me. That's for sure. <laughs> I'll bank on that. So. <laughs> Are you looking for a new family dentist? We promise to take care of you and your smile at the Grove City Center for Dentistry. The Grove City Center for Dentistry is a place where our patients love to visit and call home. Your patient experience starts with caring, comfort, and expertise. We promise to make you smile. For our listeners, we are offering free teeth whitening for life. Call 614-819-3108 and tell us you heard about us on the Mindful Literacy Podcast. That's 614 614- Now I'm like diving into the D's. Like when you talk about helping with school, are we helping kids like read, read and write in English? Like what is the primary language in Kenya? Don't even know. The, so the national language is, is Swahili, Kiswahili. But they they also learn English. You'll be surprised to when you go there. For most kids are able to speak in English and understand English. So when you go help there as a teacher, you you can help on the English side of things, the writing, the reading, and on that side of things. And yeah, it's it's actually amazes me how many languages most of these most Kenyans can speak and actually most of the rest of the world can speak. They will have their tribal language, what they call their mother tongue. And then they'll be able to possibly speak other tribal languages. And then they have Swahili and then they have English and, and then they're, and with that, you know, that part of the brain develops and they're able to speak other languages pretty well too. So it's pretty impressive when you go there, how many, how many languages you hear and, and uh, makes me a little bit jealous. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah awesome well yeah and now I'm just like all really excited about thinking about different even I don't want to call them interventions but that's just because I'm a special ed teacher but I want to say programs that we could set up for this two to three week period of volunteering in schools oh yeah so maybe once we flesh out the <laughs> details of our writing program Ben we can take that on the road <laughs> yeah absolutely we're the foundation is you know, people, when I first set up the organization in Kenya, I actually got questions that really disturbed me. Like, why are you helping there and not here sometimes? And I was confused by that. It doesn't, it didn't really, those type of questions almost ignored. But now, you know, I kind of like, I really, what Kenya did for me, although I, it, it allowed me to learn, I always felt the need to give back. And, and I always had that in me. I just didn't know how. And I learned that I could do that through sport. And I learned that soccer, the global game, could be a a platform for to bring people together in Columbus, Ohio, and all over the world. So that's so I brought it back here and started started doing that type of work here as well. And I think it's what I'm where I'm going with that is I think it's it's important for people to travel 
to a place like Kenya because again, it, it opens their eyes to how they can get back, not necessarily in Kenya, but even right here in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. I mean, two common themes that I, that stick out to me from both the work you start, we started talking about the soccer and literacy program, which obviously developed because you saw a need, a problem that needed to be solved and rewind to when you were 22 in Kenya, you obviously saw a problem that needed to be solved. And for you, it sounds like figuring out how to, I guess, like as a natural coach, bring people together as a team and work together to solve the problem. And then, I mean, but really it's, it is both, I see parallels in what you're doing in both places. Oh yeah. And I'm sure that. Absolutely. Go ahead. (laughs) I, I want to go back to finding the right people to lead a certain, I guess, a certain community. I'm uh, almost obsessed with that notion, I guess. For example, we have a program manager that grew up on the west side of Columbus and he coaches in our club, but he also goes back to his community and runs a soccer and literacy program. And now we're going to have another program manager that is fluent in Spanish and we're partnering with the really these community clubs where he's going to now start supporting through final third foundation, the, this community, this specific community club, and we're going to add other programming to help uplift those communities. But in the end, what we hope to do out of all that is develop that trust with the final third foundation to bring the communities together and bridge gaps with those communities using really the, that global game, the love for the game as, as a tool to initiate those first, I guess, conversations. I'm like thinking it's not just about the soccer, you know, it's about equipping. That's <laughs> <laughs> much more than the soccer. You know, I, I'm not just a soccer guy. I actually basketball was my number one sport for a while. And I, again, I know we're talking about not just soccer, not just sport, but it's more, yeah, it's more about, I interrupted you equipping equipping people who who want to give back to the community and and then working with those communities. Yeah, and in doing so, I mean, I go back to the goals you were saying, you know, you want people to be happy and what does that mean? Having healthcare, education, food and shelter. So, even though these life lessons are starting on the soccer field, you know, you're really encouraging athletes to be scholars so that they can lead a life that is fulfilling and of service to others. So I think it's a very beautiful thing that you're doing. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Again, I don't know where I would be without sport. I was a good student. I was a very good student, but I, I wouldn't look forward to a test at the end of the week. I would look forward to that, to that game, to the, to the soccer match. I was, and when I would go home, I'd go to practice and you know I guess what I what I'm saying by that is we I think we all know that youth and need that source of that where they can just go play and have something to train for and look forward to and it doesn't need to be soccer it can be volleyball it can be basketball it can be football it can be chess it can be dance it can be yoga to like really to get their mindset it could be music but if a child doesn't have that extracurricular activity that they can really bank on, I, for me as a growing up, I don't know how anyone could really 
get through that. I think additional programs, I think one of the most, the things that are lacking, like in Columbus, for example, and, and there's a lot of people trying to help with this are the outside of school programs, the after school programs, the, to, to provide for all communities. Yeah, I definitely um, agree with that. I, I know when I was working in Columbus City Schools, I admired the principals who were really focused on providing wraparound care for their students. And that could mean a lot of different things. Like some principals had a dental bus coming to the school and you know, they were really found a way to keep the doors of their school open until basically until sundown as the hub of the community. And I know like there's a lot of research on the KIPP uh, model of schooling, which is like that too, where kids are basically there for 12 hours a day and they school means they also provide music and art and sport education. But yeah, it seems like, you know, bringing it back to the school building, I feel like there is a, an incredible opportunity for principals to partner with Final Third Foundation. And I think back to some of the administrators that I've had, and they also had the model of, you know, we have, to, we have to find the right people to lead. And it seems like if you have two groups of people who are like-minded, the, you know, and you join forces, then you'd be on the, the kids would be unstoppable. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, you hear that we're doing an after-school program at Eakin. We had another school lined up, and her name's Principal, I believe, a Raybar. I kept forgetting her first name. After we ran our first program, she called us up and said, "When are you coming back?" And so it's principals like that that are, as you say, these wraparound services. That's actually the first time I've heard that, I guess, terminology for for those students. Final thirds ready, and the main reason I feel like we're ready is because of. People like Leah Groom, who Thomas, who who has stepped into this director of education role, and I now have, and Final Third Foundation now has an amazing person and passionate person to lead that, I guess, branch of the foundation, and also people like you who were forming this partnership with, where, you know, where we could partner on that on that front as well providing those services to, to all to as many schools as we can, as long as quality and what I like to think world-class programming. So. Make sure to save the day for two fun events in 2021 in partnership with the Final Third Foundation Mindful Literacy Columbus presents 2021 Summer Writing Camp. Kids entering third to seventh grade will have the opportunity to be a part of this investive writing camp. Save the date for this week of August 8th. Email Megan at mindfulliteracypractice.org for more information. Make sure to mention that you heard about this camp from the podcast and enter a drawing to win 50% of the camp tuition. First Annual Mindful Literacy Columbus Conference for Kids and Their Grown-Ups. After this conclusion of the writing camp, we will hold a community celebration. This will include kids showcasing their work, art, music, yoga, food, and high-quality professional presentations for both teachers and parents. Teachers will have the opportunity to learn CEUs. 
The conference, which will be held on Saturday, August 15, 2021, will serve as a fundraiser for a non-profit organization. We will also currently accepting presentation proposals from teachers and professionals in the community. Please email Stacey, S-T-A-C-E-Y, at Stacey at mindfulnessandpractice.org. To receive more information about the conference and or the submit of a presentation proposal. And I think I just have two thoughts to sort of wrap up. I love what you said, get your mindset, because I talk so much about having growth mindset and changing your mindset and shifting mindset. But like in the yoga community, get your mindset with the sports for you, it sounds like on a personal level, sports was an opportunity for you to have like grow socially and emotionally. And, you know, obviously in school, academics is number one. And I think schools are trying to do more to support social and emotional development of students. But to some extent, all of that has to be done with firsthand experience. Like the like the opportunity sports gives us. And then just like, I just, one of the main reasons I really wanted to work with you is because you, even though, I mean, we are both athletes and you would think that athletes are super competitive, but also I just appreciate so much the opportunity to collaborate with you and the final third foundation. I think our opportunities are limitless for these kids. And so I, I just really appreciate being your your teammate and being able to compete against the odds rather than with each other. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm really excited about seeing what we can do together. You know, I I appreciate you saying those things. And, and I, that collaboration is something that I think a lot of people are and leaders of organizations worry about a little bit due to funding and uh, making sure their organization survive but i think for example we've partnered with the columbus parks and rec department and we formed an amazing relationship with them and and i think my first you probably heard this when we first spoke is the last thing i want to do is step on toes i want the the mission of your organization to succeed and your nonprofit to succeed and all we wanted to want to do is to be able to uplift and i think once I think the the partners that we've had in the past, they they um once they realize that, it's like it's it's a full. We really go all out. Unfortunately, this pandemic has hit us, and we're getting through it. But Final Third Foundation will grow. I think uh, mindful little literacy practice. I watch I watch everything you're doing, and I'm so impressed. I'm excited about our future. Yeah, me too. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with on this podcast today. If we have principals out there who want to partner with you or teachers or student teachers who want to get the ball rolling on a partnership with you, where can they get in touch with you? So our website is finalthirdfoundation.org, all letters. The email address I have is ben at finalthirdfoundation.org, all letters as well. Feel free to reach out, look at our programs and events that we run, and um, we're ready, ready and waiting. <laughs> Yay. Thank you, Ben. It was so great to talk to you. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. 
Thank you for listening to Mindful Literacy Podcast. May you be inspired, energized, and share this love with those in your care. We are also grateful to have you as a part of our community. If you are enjoying the content in this podcast, please share this with your friends and colleagues. Subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Please also take a moment to connect with us on Facebook, mindful.literacy.columbus, and on Instagram, mindful.literacy.cbus. We want to hear from you. What topics do you want to uncover next? Who is doing these amazing things on the field of education that we should be talking about in season three? Until next time, may you be happy, healthy, and at peace. Before we wrap things up, we want to mention one more way from anywhere in the world that you and your students can get involved with Mindful Literacy Columbus. For just $25 a month, you can become a patron member of Mindful Literacy Columbus. Yes, that's right. For less than the cost of a latte a week, you will become a champion for child literacy and you will have the opportunity to Give directly back to kids in two ways. First, dues enable staff to grant write, fundraise, and build organizational awareness. Second, patron members are invited to contribute monthly to our publishing house, Beehive Press. The books that your students will curate will then be sold to generate even more scholarship money for your students. Beehive Press is an imprint of Mindful Literacy Columbus. Here is what patron members will get for their $25 per month. Submit one book by kids or kids for Beehive Press per month. Receive video lesson plans on how to engage kids in the writing process and PDF graphic organizers to help with the pre-writing process. Includes help with book layout, one-to-one final editing session, marketing, sales, and logistics of the book. Receive the proof of the book for free. Includes copyright and ISBN number. Each published book that is sold gives back to MLC. 50% goes to scholarships, 50% goes to authors. To become a patron member, go to mindfulliteracypractice.org slash donate.